Well, how are we doing, Parkview? We good? Good. I just want to welcome everybody on both campuses uh, this weekend, and I also uh, want to say, isn't it amazing to have the, the bands, the musicians we have around here singing like Bon Jovi? I, I tell you, I, I probably shouldn't be admitting this to you, but I've been to a couple Bon Jovi concerts in my day, and they do the song better than Bon Jovi does the song. It's pretty crazy, and it's very cool to be a part of a church like this. So again, welcome to everybody uh, this weekend. We're starting a brand new series called My Friend Has a Question, and I want you to know it's going to be a great, great opportunity the next four or five weeks for you to invite friends because we're going to tackle some of the just toughest subjects in our world and in our faith, some of the questions that we have that we don't always like to voice. That's what we're going to be talking about. So... Today, before we dive into the subject, I also just want to make sure, I think we all understand this, that it's Super Bowl weekend, right? Uh, I hope you're excited about this. Uh, are, are there any, just so I can get to know you a little bit more who we have here today, are there any Carolina Panther fans here today? <clears throat> yeah, 27 Carolina Panther fans, sounds like. What about Denver Bronco fans? Any Denver fans? <clears throat> All right, cool, cool. And of course, Chicago Bears fans, right? We've got some Bear fans, uh, many of you. Even though they're not in the big game, you can still cheer for them. Uh, here's, what, here's what you know about the Super Bowl weekend. There's people praying for their team to win, right? Uh, on both sides of Super Bowl uh, weekend, there's uh, coaches praying, there's fans praying, there's owners of the teams who are praying. There's even players who are praying. In fact, before the big game, you're going to see these guys, you know, oftentimes circled up on the field. They're going to be down on a knee. They're going to have their arms over each other. And both sides, the Broncos and the Panthers, are praying for their team to win. But you know this. Only one team can win, right? And so what does the other team think? What do the other players think? You know, we, we prayed, God. We, we asked you to win. We've been practicing hard. Probably many of those players are following after Jesus in their life. They're praying, but yet they don't win. And, and maybe they have to start to wonder, you know what? Does prayer really work? Did, did we do it right? Did, did we mess up in our prayer? Does, pray, does God really hear our prayer? And maybe you've been there in, in your life where you've been praying for something with your family. You've been praying for something in your marriage, your career. You've been praying for something with your kids for, for like months or even years, or for your grandkids. And it just doesn't seem like God is doing much. And you start to think, does prayer, does it really work? That's what we're going to talk about today. And maybe a better way to frame it up uh, this weekend is like this. How does prayer really work? How does it work? See, I've been a pastor for like 20 years of my life. But yet there's still times where I wonder, <clears throat> how does prayer really work? Does it really work? For a long time, there was a fundamental problem in my own personal prayer life. Some of you will be able to resonate with this. The problem I had was this, that many of my prayers were monologues and not dialogues. They were monologues and not dialogues. And what I was kind of doing when I prayed is I was treating God like he was somebody who worked at a drive-thru at a fast food restaurant. 
And I would pull up, I would place my order with God, I would tell him exactly what I wanted, how I wanted it, and I would expect about three or four minutes later for him to fulfill my order, and I would just go on with life. That's kind of how I treated God, and because of that, I was continually frustrated by prayer, because it was a monologue to God, not a dialogue with God. And so I spent time, this is about 10 years ago now, really diving into prayer. What is this thing? How does it even work? And I read all kinds of places in the Bible about prayer. One of the places we're going to study today, and I read some great books by Bill Hybels and and Walter Wangerin. And what I've come to realize over the last 10 years or so of my life about prayer is this. Prayer is kind of like a circle of communication with God. That's how prayer works. Works And I'm excited about this message today because I think it's going to give everybody kind of like a backstage pass, a behind-the-scenes look into what really happens when we pray and how it really works. So if you're taking some notes today on either of our campuses, the first part of the circle of communication with God is simply this. It's where we talk. It's where we talk to God. And in the Bible, in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus is speaking, and he he shares some thoughts, some of the best thoughts, I think, in the whole Bible about how it is we should speak and talk to God. Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 5, Jesus says, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. And I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full." But when you pray, go into your room and close the door and pray to your Father who is unseen. And then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Verse 7, and when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Right there, in just those three verses in Matthew chapter 6, we have several different ways that we can talk to God and begin this communication with him. If you're taking notes today at all, here's the first thing I want you to write down, and that is that we should pray regularly. Pray regularly. Jesus says in verse 5, verse 6, and verse 7, he says this, and when you pray, not if you pray, not if you get into such a jam that you have to pray, but when you pray. Jesus assumes that every one of the people who follow him, every one of his followers will have a regular time of prayer woven into the daily fabric of our lives. He just assumes that. And so let's do this. Let's kind of just, I want to get to know who we have here today even a little more. How many of you would say, by a show of hands, that you are like a morning person. You just wake up, you know, with a smile on your face, a bounce in your step. Yeah. Uh, most of us don't like you very much. Uh, we, we, we don't. No, I'm just kidding. That's, that's a joke. Here's what I think. Here's, here's the thing. If you're a morning person, then get up and, and spend some time with God in the morning. Talk to him in the morning. That's great. Now, let me ask you this. How many of you should not be talking to anybody in the morning? How many of you are night owls? Yeah. Raise your, yeah, exactly. Well, then you talk to God at night. You spend some time with God at night. You see, the time of day isn't the main thing. The main thing is that you and I find some uninterrupted time every single day to talk to God, to pray regularly. Jesus continues on there in Matthew chapter 6, and he says we should also pray humbly. 
Pray humbly. In verse 5, he says, Do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. That'd be like standing in the church to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. When we pray, we're to pray in a humble way. Now, what's this mean? Well, I'm not sure if you've ever been around one of those churches or maybe you grew up in one of those churches where as soon as somebody began to pray, they like went into the King James voice and version of the Bible. Have you ever been there? You know, when they just begin to pray these amazing, ultra dramatic, like impressive prayers. I kind of grew up in a church like that. Uh, It was a great church. I grew up in the Midwest. I grew up in Kansas. And, And again, it was a great church. But whenever people started to pray, they kind of went off into some other whole kind of voice and, and language. It was amazing. And, and I'll never forget, like, our youth group. When I was in high school youth group, every Sunday night we had youth group. And our youth pastor, when we were getting done with youth group, he would circle us all up in a big circle, and we'd have a prayer circle to wrap up youth group, okay? And so he would always ask, who wants to start out the prayer circle? And, and some kid would raise their hand and start out the prayer circle, and they would start. I can remember this like it was yesterday. This friend of mine in the circle would start out, and they would pray. This amazing prayer. And they're sitting here starting to talk, and I'm sitting here in the circle listening going, wow, that kid can pray. That is amazing. I mean, that is impressive. That is like the perfect prayer. And so you know what I'm doing? I know it's going to be coming around to me. So while everyone else is, is, is praying, you know what I'm doing? I'm working on my prayer. Right? I'm sure you would never do this as adults in your neighborhoods or in your small groups or anything like that, but students do this all the time. I was working on my prayer, and it would never fail. It would like get all the way around to me. I would, I would have a great prayer ready to go, and the kid sitting next to me, like Josh. You know what Josh would do? He would take my prayer. And I would want to like let go of his hand and be like, hello, Josh. That was my prayer, basically. I was going to say almost exactly that. Now, you've left me in an incredible bind here. i got to come up with a whole new prayer in like 10 seconds. Right? I mean, you talk about pressure. So here's what I would do. Here's what I learned very early on. Whenever our youth pastor would say, who wants to open the youth group circle in prayer? I would raise my hand. I would love to do that. And I would open up that circle and I would pray for everything under the sun. I would leave everyone else in that circle in the toughest spot imaginable. I know some of you right now are thinking in your heads, Todd, you're, you're such a spiritual person. I know, I am. I'm still, I'm still very spiritual, yeah. Uh, but here, here's, listen, here's why I bring all this up. Even Jesus realizes, Jesus realizes here in Matthew chapter 6 that there's a tendency inside of us to want to impress people by the way we pray. And there's, there's just something inside of us sometimes where we want to like pray the perfect prayer so we can get praise from people. And what Jesus is saying is, you know what, Todd? You know what, Parkview? You can do that. You can pray to get praise from people. You can pray so that people go, wow, you're so spiritual. That was amazing. And, and you can get those pats on the back and you can get that applause. But you get, guess what? You better enjoy that applause. You better enjoy that pat on the back because guess what? That was your reward. That's what he says. That was your reward. And I think that's why Jesus goes on when, it, when it's us talking to God. He goes on and says we should also pray privately. We should also pray privately. Look at verse 6. But when you pray, go into your room and close the door and pray to your Father who is unseen. And then your Father who sees what is done in secret 
will reward you. Pray privately. Now, I want you to understand here that Jesus obviously isn't saying that it's wrong to pray in public. He's just stressing how crucial it is to find a private place to talk to God sometimes, an uninterrupted place, a a place where, catch this, where no one is judging or rating your prayer, right? It's, It's a private place where your prayer is just more real than it is rehearsed. It's just more desperate than it is detailed. Maybe it's in your car on the way to work or on the way to school. Maybe it's in your basement. Maybe it's in your office at work. It's a place, it's a private place where you can just kind of cry out to God and say, God, I don't know what I'm doing. God, I'm upset with so-and-so. God, I'm feeling depressed. And you don't have to worry about your words. You don't have to worry about the sentences making sense. It's just a private place where you and I can get alone with God. And notice also in in the Bible there in verse 5, you're praying towards men and your reward comes from who? Men. Everybody say men or man. That's who it comes from. In verse 6, you're praying towards God And your reward comes from who? From God. I can tell you this. In our communication with God, if we'll begin to do this, if you and I will begin to pray regularly and we'll begin to pray in a humble way and we'll begin to pray privately in some of those times with God, I can promise you what's going to happen next in your prayer life. This is amazing. Here's what will happen next. God listens. God listens. Some of you are going, wow, that's okay, I'm not even writing that down. That's not a big deal. It's a big deal. Don't let that slide by too fast that God listens to you. Some of us have been in church so long. We've been around God so long that we don't, okay, God listens, so what? No, no, no. The God of the universe, the God who hung the sun and the moon and the stars, Just like you and I would like hang ornaments on a Christmas tree or something like that. He wants to listen to you. And friends, listen. The miracle of prayer is not that we talk. But the miracle of prayer is that God listens. If you're taking notes, if you're writing things down, if you're texting things to people, that's that's huge. The miracle of prayer, it's not that we talk. But it's that God listens listens to us. And it's actually the listening of God that that turns our feeble human words into intelligible prayers. It's the listening of God. Let me see if I can illustrate this. I have a son named Cole, and uh, we call him Coltrane. He's a He's 15 years old now, and he's just—he's an amazing, fantastic kid. And uh, but back when Cole was like in preschool, elementary age, some of you parents will be able to resonate with this. There would be nights where we would put Cole to bed, and he would be fine. He would everything would be okay, but he would get sick in the middle of the night, and he would wake up at night with like a sweaty fever. And uh, his jammies that we had put on him, you know, would be like ringing wet because he has this fever and his hair is all wet and he would try and lift his huge head off his pillow, you know, but he just can't. And so he, our son Cole would just lay there in his bed and he would just begin to moan. And he didn't even know what he was saying, right? Have you been there, parents? He didn't even know what he was saying, but guess what? It didn't matter because as soon as he began to moan, His mom, my wife Renee, 
would hear him and jump up from our bedroom. She would rush into Cole's room. She would assess what was wrong. She would go downstairs, get a humidifier, some cool towels, some medicine, almost always Cole's juice, his juicy cup. And she would come back up and take care of him. And I can't even tell you how many times that type of communication was accomplished in our home. Not because, listen to this, not because Cole knew what he needed, right? All he knew is that he was sick. Not because Cole chose and crafted and put together just the right words. All he did was moan. But communication was accomplished because his mom was listening. And even more than listening, she was able to interpret the moan. You see, it's my wife, Renee, that shaped the cry into communication. And here's what I want to say to you today. It's the very same way with you, me, and God. That's how prayer really works. Take a look at this verse in the Bible in Romans chapter 8. It says, you know what? We don't even know. We don't even know what we ought to pray for. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. The bottom line is this. When you and I begin to pray, the light goes on in the hallway of heaven. And it doesn't matter if your prayers are clear or ignorant or, you know, articulate or loud or muffled. It doesn't matter. God, God is always listening. And the miracle of prayer, you have to know this, the miracle of prayer is not that we talk, but that God listens to us. And if God is going to take all this time to listen to you and to me and all the things going on in our lives, all the things going on in our families, all the things going on in our workplace, if he's going to take all that time to listen to us, You would also have to expect that he's going to have something to say. He's going to have something to speak into our lives. This is the next part of the circle of prayer and communication with God. This is the part where God talks. The part where God talks to us. Now, how many of you know that we serve a talkative God We do, a talkative God who listens to and and he responds, believe me, he responds to all our prayers. Everybody say all. Oh, that was weak. One more time. Everybody say all. All. He responds to all our prayers. And I know some of you are thinking, I don't want to say all because I don't know know about all. Maybe some. I don't know about all. Maybe all of your prayers because you got the whole pastor thing going on in your life. Maybe all of your prayers, but I don't know about all my prayers. Maybe some of my prayers. No, 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 listen. All, God responds to all of our prayers, whether you're 16 years old or 40 years old or 70 years old, he responds to all of our prayers. Now, here's the key. He may not respond the way you want him to, but he always responds. It's been back now, I was telling you about maybe 10 or 12 years ago, I really dove in and was trying to study prayer and how it really works in my life because I was frustrated by it. I didn't know if I was doing it right. I, I wasn't hearing from God. And so I really began to dive in and study it. And I read this book called Too Busy Not to Pray. Too Busy Not to Pray. It's, it's a great book. It's by a guy named Bill Hybels. And in this book, 
it suggests four different ways that God responds to all of our prayers. Four different ways that God speaks to us in our lives. And I want you to know something. These four things that I learned more than 10 years ago, they've completely changed my communication with God. It's changed the way I understand our relationship. And so I'm going to ask you, I don't know if you're a note taker, if you write things down, if you're taking notes, these four things, I want you to take these with you out into this new week. If you don't take notes, you know, maybe hit the person next to you and say, hey, you better take notes and text those to me because I'm going to need those pretty soon. And so somebody needs to be taking notes around you so they can get you these four things. Okay, here they are. Here's, here's four ways that God uh, responds to all of our prayers. First of all, if the request is wrong, God says no. Everybody say no. 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 How many of you know that God can say no? He just can. He, he can say no. And part of that is because we can pray some pretty self-centered, short-sighted prayers, can't we? I mean, have you ever found yourself praying for your wishes rather than God's will? Now, I have on a regular basis. In the Bible, in the book of James, chapter 4, verse 3, it says, when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives. You know, I'm so glad that God loves us enough to say no sometimes to some of our prayers, aren't you? That shows how much he cares about us. Think about it like this. I've been thinking this week as I was coming preparing this uh, talk and this message for you guys this weekend. Um, what, if, what if God had said yes to every one of your prayers over the last several years or decades of life. Would that be crazy if God had answered every one of your prayers with a yes? For me, I've just been thinking about it. First of all, if God had answered all my prayers with a yes, the first thing is this, I would own a candy store, okay? Because that's what I prayed for early on. You know, I just love candy, I just own a candy store. Secondly, I would have been married in the sixth grade to Sarah Jane. Because she was amazing and I loved her. And I was just like, God, can I marry Sarah Jane? Because she's amazing. So I'd have been married in sixth grade, which would have been strange. Uh, I would have never been sick. Nobody in my family would ever be sick. None of my friends would ever be sick. I'd probably be living on the beach somewhere in Hawaii, doing very, very little with my life. If God answered every one of my prayers with a yes. I, I am so glad. And I want you to get this into your heart and into your mind this weekend. Aren't you glad that God loves you and cares about you and knows about you enough to say no sometimes to some of our prayers? That's how prayer really works. If the request is wrong, God says no. But secondly, how about this? If the timing is wrong, God says slow. Everybody say slow. Now, how many of you know that this is worse than no? Isn't it? God, please just don't say slow. Just say no. But he doesn't say no. He says slow a lot of times. In, in addition to my son, Cole, who's 15, I have a daughter named Ruby, and uh, she's 17 uh, right now. And I, I think all the way back to when Ruby was a little girl, like a preschool age. And, and some of you, again, parents will be able to understand this. It seemed like when Ruby was small, she was just completely rambunctious. And every time I turned around, I, I was saying to her, in a minute, you know, can, can we go outside, daddy? In a minute, Ruby. Can we get something to eat? In a minute. Can we blow bubbles? In a minute. I was just always saying in a minute to Ruby. 
Some of you said that to your kids or to your grandkids or something like that. And, and there was one Saturday uh, morning, we were living in Southern California at, the, at this time, and my wife Renee just needed a Saturday morning kid-free and husband-free, right? So, uh, so, here's, so here's what she does. She sends me and Ruby to Target with a, with a whole list of things that we need uh, to get. And I, I got to say this, uh, by disclaimer, way of disclaimer, mommies, they know all about how to navigate the Target experience. Daddies, not so much, okay? It's not nearly as easy. So we're on our way to Target. I have this whole list of things. I have no idea where they even are in the store. I have Ruby with me. She's in the car. She's bouncing off the doors in the car. Uh, we get out of the car. She's so excited to be at Target. I'm trying to get her into the store. I'm basically carrying her behind me like a kite, you know. And uh, we, we get up near the front doors of the Target, and I see this amazing thing. I see this whole long row of cages, uh, carts, I mean carts, <clears throat> Not cages, they look like cages. So I, I grab Ruby and I put her inside uh, one of the carts and I'm pushing her in to the Target. And if you have been in a Target, which I'm sure you have, you know the layout. And there's, you come in and there's usually a deli over there somewhere. And the deli area, the food area, has the icy and the icy machine. And so Ruby, my amazing little girl, sees the icy machine. And she starts to say, Daddy, can I have an icy and I say to her, in a minute. And then I, I promise you this is true. This goes on for like 8 or 10 or 15 minutes just constantly. Every row, I'm trying to find all these items for Renee. Can I have an icy? In a minute, Ruby. Daddy, can I have an icy? In a minute, Ruby. And about 10 minutes into this whole excursion, we're going back across all the checkout lanes. And it's a Saturday morning. There's all kinds of people in these checkout lanes. And we're going back across there and something happens. My beautiful, amazing just precious, pig-haired little girl. She jumps out of her cage and she throws herself down in the midst of all these people and just starts like making snow angels and screaming at the top of her lungs. I have no idea what's going on. All the other dads are standing around going, I don't know what to do. The mommies are like, just pick her up and hit her and put her back in the cage. That's what you do. It's, it's easy. I had no idea. I don't know how this works, right? And some of you I know right now are thinking to yourself, well, Todd, hello. That sounds like a little six-year-old or seven-year-old little girl. And you know what? It does. But, but here's why I tell you that whole story. Doesn't it also sometimes sound like some of us? Isn't there an impatient child that lives inside of so many of us? Now, now, don't admit this. Don't raise your hand. Don't cheer. But... Um, let me ask you this. Have you ever pitched a fit in front of God? Have you ever kind of started out your prayer time with God by saying something like this? Hello, God. You don't understand. Which is a terrible way to start a prayer, by the way, because he does understand pretty much everything, right? God, you don't understand. I don't want this in two weeks or two months or two years. Read my lips, God. I want it now. I think when you and I do that to God, God looks down at you and God looks down at me and says, you know what, you can flop around and kick and scream all you want, but the answer is still slow. It's not time yet. It's not that there's anything wrong with your prayer. It's just that the timing is not right. And so I have to say slow. That's how prayer works sometimes, guys. But then it continues on to a third thing, and that is if you are wrong, God says grow. If you are wrong, 
God says, grow. And I'll tell you, it's this third point right here, for me at least, that most often short-circuits my communication with God. As I look back on my life, there's, there's, things, uh, there's things I need to confess. There's things that oftentimes I need to admit to God. Did you, did you know that, that unconfessed, unresolved, unadmitted sin in our lives can actually hinder our communication with God? Did you know this is true? And take a look at this verse in the Bible in Isaiah chapter 59, verse 1 and 2. It says, listen, the Lord is not too weak to save you, and he's not becoming deaf. He can hear you when you call, but there's a problem. Your sins have cut you off from God. And because of your sin, he has turned away and will not listen anymore. Sometimes we just need to grow. And that's the whole issue with prayer. It's not that we're doing it wrong. It's not that God's not listening. It's that we, God needs us to grow in our life. Maybe you've been praying for a long time for a new job in a, in a new career. And you're, you're like, I don't understand it because it seems like God would be in favor of this. It seems like this is something that God would want for me in my life. And maybe God does want that for you. But God's saying, you know what? Before I give you that job, before I move you to that city, before I put you in that platform, before you make that amount of money, you need to grow. I need you to grow through some things before I can do that in your life. Or maybe you're here this weekend and you just want to, you want to be married so bad. You want to be engaged so bad. I mean, you could, it's just like you just want to be married and, 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 and you believe God wants you to be married and he does, but he, here's what maybe God's saying to you. I need, before that happens, before I introduce you or before you guys get together and before this, all this happens, I need you to grow through some things. There's some things I'm trying to do inside of you. And oftentimes God needs us to grow. And I'll, I'll tell you this, Parkview, the easiest way and the quickest way for you and I to repair open lines of communication with God and feel him close to us and in intimacy and proximity to him is just sincere, humble, heartfelt, honest confession. Coming to God Maybe in that private place. Don't, don't start confessing things publicly. That's kind of weird sometimes, but just private place, probably that's where that would come in. And just say, God, I just want you to know what that I know that you know. And just start laying these things out in your life. And that God who seems a million miles away will all of a sudden feel like this. Sometimes if we are wrong, God wants us to grow. But finally, check this out. If the request is right and the timing is right and you are right, God says, Go. God says go. And I don't think anything fires God up more than answering our prayers. <clears throat> but the irony is most of us don't stick around to hear what he has to say. And this is the last part of the circle of communication with God. This is the part where we listen, where we listen to him. When, when we're praying, most of us are pretty sure that God is listening. But then as God begins to talk, we walk off. And the circle of communication with God never becomes a full-fledged conversation because we just get too busy in our lives to listen to him. Now look at this verse in the Bible in, in uh, the book of Isaiah as well, 55 verse 3. It says, come to me with your ears wide open and listen. There's the word listen for the life of your soul is at stake. You're, when it comes to listening, it's a big deal. Your whole soul, who you are, your interior world is at stake 
when it comes to listening. So here's what I want to do today, kind of pull this whole message together and this weekend together. I want to give you a very practical, very tried and true, time-tested, guaranteed way for any one of you, male or female, young or old, guaranteed way for you to slow yourself down and listen to God in your life. Here it is. Are you ready for it? It's called journaling. Journaling. And I know when I, when I say the word journaling and, and I talk about it on, on both campuses where there's all kinds of people in a mixed company like this, I know as soon as I start talking about journaling, I immediately divide the crowd. I know that. And there's a whole lot of ladies right now going, yes, journaling. And you're already thinking about going to Target and getting a new tablet and colored pens and all kinds of cool things. And, and there's all kinds of guys sitting here going, journaling? Are you serious? You're going to talk about this in mixed company? You're like a traitor. You're a traitor is what you are, Todd. No, listen, here, here, listen, listen. Journaling, journaling is just like keeping a record of what God is doing in your life. That's all it is. If you like to write, write a lot. If you don't like to write very much, then write just a little bit. It's just keeping track of what God is doing in your life. This is my journal right here. I, I, I write in it pretty much every day. I just keep track of a few different things God is doing in, in my life. And I'll tell you this, uh, I don't think I've ever really written anything incredibly deep or profound in my journal. I don't think I have. But I'll also tell you this, for me, that's not the point. That's not the point. The point is that I've slowed myself down. And I've taken time to listen to God. And at least for me, because I live a pretty fast-paced life, at least for me, sometimes the only way I can tell that God hasn't lost his voice in my life is to go back and read through different places in my journal. Say, oh yeah, I remember that, and God, you, you actually answered that prayer with my son, or man, I was praying for protection, or I was praying for the words to say at that moment, and God, you actually did that. And I go back, and I realize that God has been working through my life life. And maybe God is sitting up there in your life as well going, I wish you could see what I was doing. I wish you could see how active I am in your life. And then sometimes that happens just by keeping track. Let me ask you this and we'll wrap this up. How much stronger would your faith and your communication be with God in February this month if you had just kept track of what he was doing in January last month? I would just encourage you to begin to keep some kind of journal, whether it's in a book or on your phone or tablet or something like that, and just keep track of what God is doing in your life and see if he doesn't answer prayer after prayer after prayer. And I'd say one other thing. This is like the next step. If you want a next step on what to head out into this new week and do, here's the next step. The next time you're praying this week, whether it's later on today or tomorrow, the next time you're praying and you get done talking to God, don't just be done. Stay put right where you are. Let him speak to you and spend some time listening to him and complete that whole circle of prayer because that's, that's, that's how prayer really, it, it really does work when we do it in that way. Amen? Cool. Let's pray together today. God, thanks for this time. Thanks for the opportunity we have to come and <clears throat> to gather up and carve out time to start a new week thinking about you and and this whole notion of prayer that can be so tough to understand sometimes. We don't know if we're doing it right. We don't know if 
maybe you're not listening or you're upset or we've done something wrong or there's a glass ceiling. Is it getting through? And God, I just pray today that from some scriptures in Isaiah and some of Jesus' words in Matthew, God, I pray that we could begin to understand that prayer really does work in our lives. And I pray that we could begin to keep track of that and we could feel closer and closer to you. Lord, we love you and we thank you for this time we can study. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.